Nine Media podcast that covers the issues that matter most to the promotional products industry, from hard-hitting news to fun trends and in-depth analysis. I'm Teresa Hegel, Executive Editor for Digital Content, and today I'm speaking to Walter Hill Jr., CEO of Icon Blue. Walter's been in the promo industry for a long time, receiving Counselor's Marvin Spike Lifetime Achievement Award in 2015. Today, we're talking about how the industry has changed over the years, as well as his new book, Think Red Flags, and how it can help other entrepreneurs take their businesses to the next level. Thanks for joining us today, Walter. You're welcome, and thank you for having me on your program. So let's start out just talking about like the promo business in, in general. Like You've been you know, in the promo promotional products business for a long time. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of what's changed over the years and also what stayed the same? Um, I think by doing that, I'll probably be telling how long I've been in the business. <laughs> I, I go back, um, I started working with Idea Man in 19, I think it was 1973, and that was that was before uh, the internet. Oh, geez. So, uh, you know, things were quite different then because I think one of the biggest differences, everything had to be done in person. If you wanted to show a client an idea, you had to call and uh, schedule an appointment, tell them you have a great idea to show them that's going to help their business, and you'd go out, present the product, and uh, and we, we didn't refer to it as a product. We called them ideas because um, that was the differentiator at Idea Man. They were a source of ideas for business as opposed to a provider of products. And I think that when the internet came, there was a dramatic shift in um, how you market your services uh, so that we could not be thrown into that category of a company that offers promotional products as opposed to uh, marketing ideas, promotion ideas. Um, we had to learn how to sell and how to reach and service our customers online because now people didn't want you to come to see them because you know they're busy. If you said you had an idea, they'd say, you know, email it to me. <laughs> so that was a that was a new new ball game, and and that's one of the the reasons that I wrote uh, uh, Think Red Flags is these are experiences that I'm hoping that through this book will help others uh, to be able to make those adjustments, make the pivot, and uh, continue to move their their businesses forward. Okay, so I know that you've been an entrepreneur. I think um, your bio says that you're a kind of a second generation entrepreneur. That your father yeah. was an entrepreneur too. Right. Um, so, kind of what what actually started your desire to you know be an entrepreneur, and how did you end up in the promotional products industry specifically? Well, I you know for me it was uh, it, it was very natural. I mm -hmm. was surrounded by entrepreneurs as a young person. My dad had an auto body shop, a service station, and a fuel oil delivery business that I grew up in. Um, as a matter of fact, I've told the story of how at nine years old, uh, he thought I wasn't assertive enough. Oh. And and since I carried his name, Walter Hill Jr., that could never be. So <laughs> um, he had me come to work with him every day. So um, uh, I did so, and what I learned was, um, uh, the 
the inner workings of a business. I watched what he was doing even as a very young person and I was surrounded by entrepreneurs. All of his friends, the this, the grocery store owner, my uncles owned the grocery store, the uh, uh, the doctor, the lawyer, the, the, the home builders, these were all my dad's buddies. They were in the social club together. So I grew up knowing nothing else but that. And I, yes. I, you know, I can't blame it to any great uh, epiphany that I had. My understanding has always been provide a service and be compensated for it. Right, right. So um, when I came to Los Angeles in uh, some uh, many years ago, uh, I started my first company at 24 years old um, because I wanted to be able to earn as much as I could. And I always liked the idea of providing business opportunities for other people. Um, the promotional business was something that had appealed to me when I met Bob Waldorf and Les Morris of Idea Man. Mm -hmm. um, it had a lot of appeal to me because it had relationship building um, where you build relationships and you have repetitive revenue. So that was attractive. What that said to me was, now I can really build as opposed to just sell, sell, sell every right. day. Uh, I can build relationships. I can build clients. And uh, um, I, I have never regretted it. I absolutely um, have enjoyed the experience. Uh, when I branched out on my own, uh, Bob Waldorf was gracious enough to become a partner with me, um, which is unusual. Uh, and... I've had that kind of entrepreneurial experience all my life where there yeah. was always someone who was willing to help me have an upper hand. So, I mean, I guess that's part of the relationship building too, that you, you mentioned, you know, before. So you mentioned like, you know, working with your dad at a young age and he yeah. wanted to become more assertive. So did that, were those lessons that, that stuck? Did you being in the office every day, did that make you more assertive? Yeah. It, as a matter of fact, it provided the, uh, this whole concept of red flagging uh, started many years ago when I was working with my dad. That was my first experience. I didn't, I didn't describe it as red flagging. It was a, I, I had no idea what, what it was called. But on weekends, he had this parking lot, this about a 10-acre lot, and people would come in from nearby cities, and they would park in this lot. And um, we charged 25 cents for parking. So my job at 10 years old was to quarter for parking, sir, was to collect quarters. Yeah. I loved it. But <laughs> there was a pain point in that job. There was an obstacle because sometimes people absolutely refused to pay the quarter. Matter of fact, they refused to acknowledge my presence. This 10-year-old kid was totally ignored when I asked <laughs> for the quarter. So I was always following people. I'd follow along behind them. We were taught to be polite to adults. So I would always say, sir, it's a quarter for parking. I keep repeating it. And then they get to the edge of the lot, and when they didn't pay, it felt absolutely terrible. My dad gave me a job, one job, to collect quarters, and I wasn't able to do it. So I had to be proactive in my thinking. And this is where the critical thinking started. What can I do? The question. In order to have an answer, we first got the question. What can I do to prevent this from ever happening again because I don't like the way this feels? Right, right. So as people started to leave, I asked, I had already asked my dad, can we tow cars if they don't? He said, yes. 
So I said, sir, if you don't pay the quarter, your car won't be here when you get back. Now, that became the magic solution because everyone, 100% of the people flipped the quarter. So from that, I learned when people tell you no, it's because you haven't given them enough of an incentive to say yes. Okay. So that was a great lesson that I didn't know I was getting at the time. But yeah. that started this idea of red flagging where you project ahead and anticipate that you might have a problem and you develop some possible solutions before you get there. Okay. So that's how that started. All right. Well, so that, I mean, I think that's a good segue into the book itself. Uh -huh. Can you tell us a little bit more about you know, what red flagging actually is and, and why you decided to, to write a book now? Well, um, red flagging is a, unlike a lot of processes that you'll see, it's not five steps to accomplish mm -hmm. X. It's a mental process. It's a thought process. And it's designed to where you ask uh, what if questions. And then um, you design a plan so that you can anticipate possible pain points that might be coming your way. You can't do it, and I should say this, I should preface that by saying the book is not about never making mistakes or correcting everything. It's about correcting or catching those possible mistakes from which you may not recover. Mm -hmm. It's designed to help you increase your profit margin by lowering your error rate. And the first issue is being able to recognize the possibility. If I come to a corner and I don't know, I have no idea that if I just cross the street that without looking that I could lose my life. Well, then once I understand that, then I know to protect myself from it. And the same thing with business and business issues. You have to use that intuition that God gave us all. It's very, very simple. As a matter of fact, it's so simple that it's overlooked by yeah. many entrepreneurs to ask those simple questions so that they can prepare their staff. And that's what I did. Constantly prepared my staff to be attentive to the red flags that could cause an order to absolutely fail. Yeah, yeah. So that um, now you kind of want to share that with like the industry as a whole, I guess. Well, well I, I'm sharing it. Really. Yeah, I'm sharing it with everyone because it not only works in this industry, it works in all businesses. Yeah. Um, in the book, you'll find that I interviewed as there's uh, a chapters from six different business categories. Oh, okay. Um, you know, from real estate investing, uh, which is an outstanding uh, uh, comments from that person. Anyone, what what we wanted to do, Teresa, was not just tell my success story. That's that's not what this is all about. It's about telling people and helping them to understand how I did it. You know, what what are some of the things that we had to look out for? Um, I, I can remember my my 16 year old daughter. That's some time ago now. Uh, my 16-year-old daughter said to me, I was giving her one of those father talks, and she said, Dad, um, you, you know, I know you don't want us to make mistakes, but you can't. We're not. We're going to have to make our own mistakes. You're not going to be able to keep us from making mistakes. So I said, Sweetheart, uh, I am not trying to keep you from making mistakes. I'm only trying to keep you as your father 
from making those mistakes from which you can't recover. Mm. That's yeah. my job as, yeah. as dad, okay? So it's not that I'm trying to be dad to entrepreneurs, but <laughs> the principle is the same. I hope to share these ideas with as many, the goal is 1 million entrepreneurs in all industries so that they can learn to, um, you know, I, I, I think, Teresa, when people read about it, they'll see it's almost so simple that is the reason that it's overlooked. It's, it's, it's a way of thinking. It's not five steps. It's not um, uh, the red flag approach that I would use to analyzing my business plan is different from the, the, the red flag that I would use processing an order where we had to deliver 600,000 pieces to 287 movie locations in seven days. How do you do that error free? Right. Okay. Because what we know is when we make lots of errors, if one shipment goes to New York that should have gone to Chicago, we know that now we're going to erode our profit margin because now we have to start changing and correcting and, and, and rescheduling and trying to get, and we're going to have an unhappy customer. So how do you do that? in seven days without a single error. That's the red flag process. It was it was coached, the entire team was coached in it and, and they became uh, exceptionally proficient in it to where we had an extraordinary low error rate and uh, the loss rate. We, we were not one of the biggest companies, mm -hmm. but we are certainly one of the most profitable. And that's why the company did so well. Awesome. So, I mean, you mentioned that cool story from when you were a kid with like the quarters um, and that yeah. kind of a red flag moment. But like, what are some of the other red flags that you've like had to avoid in your own business over the years? Like, what are some of the things that kind of you're getting, gleaning this experience from for the book? Um, there were, there were lots of them. It, and um, that's why I never tried to document a step-by-step -step process because it teaches it, the, what we what we uh, coached our staff in was was the thought process of uh, well what can what can let's see what can go wrong with this because first of all it's a rush order and if it's a rush order and they want the merchandise in three four days that automatically is a red flag what that means is we're going to have to pay attention to the, the steps a little bit closer because we can't afford to get missed one step and have to repeat it, okay? Right. You have to repeat anything, then you're going to miss your ship date. So right away, the flag is raised. And uh, that is one of the things uh, that we did. Um, if you're looking at a business plan, and I, I talk about it in the book where a young entrepreneur had a product that was supposed to um, increase the shooting percentage of basketball players. Great idea. I mean, you know, you have high schools, colleges, and professional teams who would all be interested in this product. Very sure. exciting. So yeah. the entrepreneurs got excited over the idea. The red flag in the idea is one that I've asked this question of a lot of people. Do you know what the flag is in this idea? And they said everything but the initial thing that should be checked. Validate the product. Uh -huh. Make sure it actually works. Does it actually work? Yeah. <laughs> Does it really increase 
the shooting percentage of these athletes before you try to manufacture, raise money, and go out as a validate your product. You see how simple that is? Right, right. But in my experience, many, many people, and I'm not just talking about new entrepreneurs, I'm talking very experienced, very successful uh, business people, but they, to their credit, they were in another industry. Right. And so right. when they came to a different industry, with all of the success that they had enjoyed, they didn't ask those simple questions like that. And I saw the result and have experienced the result of what can happen if you don't do those basics. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I guess let's just like kind of switch gears a little bit, but okay. I just wanted to ask kind of about like outside of work. I mean, clearly you, work is like a big part of your life, like being an entrepreneur, but like, what are some like hobbies you have? And, you know, we had this whole pandemic thing. Um, did you develop any kind of new hobbies or pastimes in the last year? Well, I, I don't think I developed any, any new hobbies, but one of the, the things that's most important in my life is, um, and I'm sure this holds true with many, many people, whether they're in business or not, uh, is uh, my family. Mm -hmm. So um, I tried to make sure that I was always reaching out and touching my family members, as well as that uh, was expanded to my friends. Mm -hmm. So during this downtime, uh, I started remembering people from the past and just reaching out to them to see how they were uh, all over the, all over the country. And did that, uh, like, how did people respond? Were they surprised to hear from you? Oh yeah. Yeah, they, they were very surprised, surprised <laughs> and hopefully pleased, uh, you know, to hear from me. But it, it was kind of a wonderful time for me because, you know, it didn't touch any of my family members that were, were close to me. Uh, and my wife and I, uh, we have been very blessed. We have wanted for nothing, um, especially at this point in our lives. And we had plenty of toilet paper and uh, <laughs> all of the things that people were rushing out to get, you know, so we had an ample, ample supply of everything. But the other thing that I, I did, uh, Teresa, was, you know, I'm a first-time author, you know, mm -hmm. I don't, I am a first-time author, I've not written books before. This was done with a specific purpose of sharing what I've learned with others so it just doesn't go dormant, because right. as you know, I sold Icon Blues customers and, and and transferred to staff three years ago right so i still own the the brand the name yeah um but uh i didn't want everything just to go dormant and there was a friend of mine one day he asked we were having lunch uh breakfast actually and he said now that you've decided to uh, sell your business he said what are you going to do with the open time and i was thinking about it and he says i have an idea for you he says you know that process that you've been telling me about over the years has made your companies very successful? I said, yeah. He said, uh, you should document it. You should write about it. And that was kind of the aha moment. That was the 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 eye opener to say, well, I have the time with the pandemic. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm not exactly running around doing a lot of things. Uh, and uh, so I started to write. So that became um, my hobby. You know, first time writing a book, having to consult people about the structure of it and all that so it's, it's really quite an undertaking i mean it's yeah uh, yeah i think some people don't realize how hard that actually is yeah, until they're exactly <laughs> exactly until we were knee deep into it have i yeah. answered your question yeah yeah i, I think so 
Yeah. So, so writing this book was your, your hobby during the pandemic. That was, that was a big hobby, <laughs> staying in touch with people, staying in touch with my family and writing a book. And, you know, I played golf and, and all those things, but uh, that wasn't a new hobby. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the book was probably the newest thing. Okay. Um, so, you know, obviously we're, we touched on the pandemic um, now and for the promotional products industry as a whole, like, you know, last year was pretty rough. It dropped almost, I think, 20%, you know, with, with PPE kind of in the mix. Um, you know, if, if PPE hadn't been a, been in, in the mix, it, I think the results would have been even worse. Um, so, I mean, you know, now that we're kind of in the recovery, like, you know, based on like your kind of expert knowledge of, of having, you know, been in the industry for so long, what do you think, um, like, what do you think the recovery should look like or how can the industry kind of like bounce back from this? And what, what comes next? I think it's a it's an opportune time. I have friends who are still in the business. Um, I have watched them experience a decline in their sales, 20%, 30%. That's a reflection of the fact that the customer's businesses declined in some cases. Unless, of course, you're Amazon or someone like that. Uh, But in most cases, uh, they they experience a decline uh, in their business as a result of the pandemic. I, I think it's important that people take this, that industry leaders and industry owners take this as a very positive opportunity to grow their business, mm-hmm. okay, past the point where they were before. Because we have to understand every customer that we have at some point started with having to create a brand generate acceptance of their product in order to generate the revenue that they had before the pandemic. So all they've had now is a slight decline in revenue. They already have brand recognition. They already have, you know, a system in place. So instead of cutting back at this point, I would encourage everyone who has clients to meet with those clients, encourage them to spend more. Because that's how they did it initially. They didn't. They didn't establish themselves by cutting back. They established themselves by forward momentum, being aggressive, attack the market. So in our business, it's always, I think, um, a good idea to make sure that the things that we recommend are in line with what the customer's objectives are. So I would be contacting all of my major clients. I would be asking for meetings to talk to find out how are, what are their plans for recovery because what we do is largely is help clients achieve what they want it, it's this it's that zig ziglar i don't know if you're familiar with him he's one of the all-time great motivational speakers and he said the best best way to get well he's he's a little older than what i think you <laughs> you would understand and but he said the best way to get what you want is to help others get what they want, mm-hmm. okay? And um, the best way to recover in sales in the industry is having meetings with the customers, even if it's Zoom calls or whatever, and asking questions first to get ideas as to what the clients are thinking and going so that they can better position themselves to help the, cust- the customers with our product category. Right, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, I think I mean this has been a really great discussion. I guess just mm-hmm. to close, yeah, where 
where can people find your book? If they, you know, have been inspired by this discussion and want to get their own copy, where can they find it? It's on Amazon. Amazon. Okay. Yeah, just uh, think red flags, uh, a proactive and profitable approach for your small business. That's the subtitle. Oh. Uh, uh, it's on Amazon and uh, happy red flagging. Yeah. And do you think that, oh, I guess I have one more question. I just thought, yeah. of, uh, sure. do you think you have any more books in you? Should we expect like a, a sequel? <laughs> I'm just recovering from this <laughs> one. <laughs> a sequel. Uh, I, I think it depends on... Um, I think it depends on the experience that I have in, in, in doing this. Yeah. Uh, it's a quite an undertaking. I enjoyed most of the process. It got a little tedious at some points, to be quite honest about it. Uh, but I, I would do it again if I have the right, if I can see the right topic that I honestly feel would make some contribution to people. That That's where I uh, pretty much had in my life. I've had a wonderful career. Uh, and, and promotions and um, investing and things of that nature. And now it's uh, a lot more gratifying to continue the mentoring process that I started some years ago. Okay, great. All right, well, thank you so much for uh, taking a couple minutes to talk with us today. With You're welcome. Sure. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, great. Okay.